0: when you can send those signals not in a way where it's like i need you i need something to happen you know like a little addict that's trying to trying to get off then for a woman that spontaneity starts to put them in a state of excitement of arousal because they don't know when sex when the actual like exciting moment is actually going to happen. And there's some really good research that's come out of the UK that has shown that in the majority of long-term partnerships, it's not men that get bored with sex, it's women.
1: What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Grud Eye Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mahaley, and I am joined by a fascinating guest today. The owner of Man Talks, Connor, joins me, and we dive in. He created the hashtag Man It Forward. He wrote the book, Men's Work, which is an absolute gem. Of a knowledge resource for men who are looking to just simply improve themselves, their impulse control and their ability to lead others throughout this world. Now, we dive into a lot of self-belief, why women get bored, um, why breath work can be so beneficial, how to desex your brain, what to do with a high sex drive but your partners might not match. If you have ever struggled with getting females attention, This is a podcast for you. This was an amazing conversation. Connor, thank you for joining. Get ready. I'll see you inside. Connor, man talks. I came across your Instagram um, in in a crucial time in my life. Um, how, How old are you? I'm 40. You're 40. So I just turned 30 in May this year. And I think you know what I mean when I say when you turn 30 as a man, life changes relatively quickly. You start realizing, oh, the things I was prioritizing aren't the actual priorities. Not anymore, at least. And wow, I have a lot of weaknesses as a man to become my most proud and safe masculine self, right? Um, I found your page, around that time, my 30th birthday. And you you made a post last night that I told you I absolutely love. You said five steps to desexualize your brain. And for men who are listening to this, oh my goodness, the amount of porn addiction or masturbation addiction that just people have. And like, dude, that is a power. Our sex, our Ability to to procreate is an unbelievable power, Connor. You said step number one, identify emotional triggers. You said step number two, get excitement into your life. I like that one. Step number three is my favorite one. Cut out thirst traps. Step number four, stop chasing empty dopamine. Step number five, use tech tools properly. Connor, let's start with this. I'm assuming you've worked with a lot of guys with this issue. What Mm -hmm. the hell's going on?
0: I mean, we're just saturated in sexual content nonstop, you know? And so when you think about uh, a few things, when you think about what our grandfathers and great grandfathers, what their life looked like. The average 15-year-old kid can go on a Pornhub and view more pornographic content in an hour or two than the average man would have seen his in his entire lifetime, you know, throughout history. So you could spend a couple hours on Pornhub as a 15-year-old kid and and see more naked women uh, than most men will have seen throughout their entire lives. So that's one part. The second part is that social media platforms are optimized to keep you engaged, to keep you on their platforms. And so if, you know, the algorithms are set up so that if you as a man start falling down thirst trap holes, right, no pun intended, <laughs> and you start seeing the bikini clad models with their ass out and their tits out and the motivational quotes underneath, mm. the algorithm's going to figure out, oh, that keeps you on our platform. So we're going to serve you up more and more and more of that. And so for a lot of guys, what happens is that their their social media uh, just becomes one giant thirst trap, right? You just, you look at their explore page and it's just, you know, tits and ass all over the place. And so that's a very hard thing to combat because as a man, your, uh, your physiological wiring towards procreation is very high. You know, if you're a man that has a high sex drive, if you're a guy that, you know, maybe you're a guy that struggles to actually get attention from women, it can, feel, uh, it can feel a little bit disillusioning because all of a sudden you can get a ton of attention from an OnlyFans model, you know, you pay her. And this is why, you know, when you look at something like OnlyFans, some of the most successful women over time have been your, not the most attractive women, but like the girl next door where it's giving men the, the quote unquote like girlfriend experience because the reality is that a lot of men are lonely you know, period, full stop. A lot of men are lonely and porn and pornographic content makes it easy for us to feel in the moment like we're not alone. So there's, I think there's a lot of different pieces in this. You know, I put out this content and the one thing I'll say and I'll hand it back over to you is I put out this content because I was like, look, I've worked with so many men who have had Real porn addictions, real sex addictions. I've been one of those men. I really struggled with porn for a long time, and in a really severe and bad way. um, I struggled with infidelity and and cheating, and you know, womanizing. In a a, you know, it was like I was the fuck boy before the word fuck boy was invented. I didn't know what that was. They made it for you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think they made it for me. But (laughs) but you know, it's like that was a part of my life, and you know, I, I think. I know how challenging it is to have a sense of direction in life, have a sense of meaning and purpose in life, have a sense of self-control and discipline when this part of us as men can rule our lives. And for a lot of guys, this is what's happening. that you know, their sex drive is just ruling their life. And so I put out this content. And I I made a video I put up on YouTube that has like, you know, almost a million views now. And it was called how I desexualize my brain. And it was fascinating because so many guys were just like, this is me. I'm struggling with this. Thank you so much. Like you're saving my life. And then you had some guys that made the interesting comment, which was, well, what's wrong with having a sexualized brain, you know? And I think I want to make it very clear. Nothing's wrong with having a sexualized brain. Like if it's, Have a good connection with your sexual arousal, with your sexual energy, with your sexual potency. I'm all for that. But if that controls you in your life, that's what I'm talking about, right? If you can't stop yourself when you wake up in the morning and you have to go watch porn and jerk off, that's a little bit of a problem, Mm -hmm. right? Or if you can't go to sleep without watching porn and getting off. Uh, that's a little bit of an issue, right? If you find yourself not going into work meetings or skipping calls or skipping going out with friends because you're scrolling through thirst traps, that's, you know, your brain has become hijacked. And what I'm always an advocate for is a greater level of impulse control as a man. A man who has impulse control is sexy to women mm-hmm. and feels like he has more in- and knows that he has more internal leadership within himself. So I just said a bunch of stuff. I'm gonna pause there and hand it
1: back. No, that no, that that, w- that was fantastic. Um, you, I think my only issue with this podcast is that I'm gonna agree with everything you say. And I like having a lot of pushback at times. It's interesting, Cotter when you post something like as a man about male vulnerability or, or male sexual health, or whatever it's interesting to see the people who will come on and publicly disagree with some things that you're saying, telling on themselves, like pointing fingers back at themselves, like I'm addicted to porn. And as I do, like if something triggers you, it's because it's you know probably mirroring something about you. Right. And I find that interesting, but Connor, I have this thing. Um, I have a lot of things. One of them that I think has resonated a lot with people recently is this disconnect that right now there seemingly is between masculine, feminine, safety, sexualization, energy, you know, women are having a little bit more sex than we're 10 years ago. Men might be having a little bit less sex than we're 10 years ago. Well, how's that happen? Well, because these women are having sex with like these men and like, they're okay with it. And, um, not every man has a lot of things to offer, you know, yada, yada. Um, men don't know how, To speak or approach women very well, in my opinion, because men approach with the intention of, I want to sleep with this person. And that intention, I mean, you can smell that like a a used car salesman walking up to you and no one's interested in that. How can men go about making women feel a little bit more safe? My... Thought process is, yo. If you go up and you're just real vulnerable, or you go up, you don't need anything. One of my favorite things to do is, hey, you're absolutely beautiful. Like you look great today. I hope you have an amazing day. You just I walk away. It's just nice. I I want nothing out of return. But those little practices add up to being able to make women feel safe, feel vulnerable. And a man that can make a woman feel safe and feel vulnerable is a man that has a massive leg up on the competition. What do you think about this disconnect happening and how to make a woman feel safe?
0: Yeah, so what, what you're talking about in some ways I call expectationless desire or outcomeless desire. So, and this, this is very useful whether you are single or in a relationship, you know? And so if you as a man can bring your desire, and if you're in a, in a partnership, if you're in a relationship, you're married, whatever, uh, situationship, whatever type of relationship you're in, if you can, you know, when you bring your sexual arousal, your desire for your partner to them, If you bring it to them from a place of I need to get off, you know, I need to, for lack of a better term, I need to nut right now, like I need to orgasm, I need to climax, that feels more transactional. And women are hardwired in many ways to look for relational intimacy. So if you're coming at them from this very transactional space of I'm turned on, I want to get off right now it can feel like they're left out of the equation and it can feel like they are just, um, I'm trying to put this in non-crude ways, but (laughs) it it can feel to a woman, it can feel like you're just using me to get off. And sometimes that can feel great. Sometimes that can be fun, you know, that can be exciting. But if that's the continual dynamic for a lot of women, it's like, well, where am I in this, tra- you know, in this interaction? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a transaction. I don't want to be, uh, a, you know, a commodity that, you know, just helps you to get off. Mm-hmm. And so what I tell a lot of men, especially men that are, find themselves in relationships where maybe sex isn't happening as frequently as they want, which is a big, you know, desire discrepancy, which is the, the term in psychology that's used, desire discrepancy when one partner wants sex more than the other. What I'll say to men is bring your arousal to your partner without the expectation that it has to lead to sex. It has to lead to a BJ. It has to lead to you getting off. Just bring your arousal to her and let her know I really think you're, you know, you look great right now, or I'm really turned on by you, or you don't even have to say anything. You can just give her the look and transmit that desire so that she can feel it. And that helps to acclimatize your partner to your arousal, your desire, and feel a part of it. Because most women have what's called responsive desire, responsive desire. They're responding to your transmission of your desire. So that can be very helpful. In terms of guys that are single, in terms of guys that are out in the dating market again, hugely, hugely important. I cannot stress this enough getting in the repetition of just connecting with women and just talking to them for no good reason at all, other than to just have a conversation in the grocery store and, you know, wherever it is at the coffee shop, at the yoga studio, walking down the street, you know, just sparking up a conversation and getting in the reps so that you feel as comfortable as possible around women. And that's going to help you exponentially because when you look at online spaces, one of the challenges that that dating apps have put into the equation is that the majority of women, and you can see this statistically in the data, it's not me like bullshitting and making stuff up. You can see this in the data. The majority of women are going after a very small cohort, cohort of men, right? So like 5% of men are getting the majority of action from women. And then you have something, depending on the app, like 50 to 60% of men are getting almost no interaction, no conversation, no uh, you know, a, approved to to have have a DM or go on a date or anything like that. 50, per, 60, 50 to 60% of men have almost no interaction with men, with women on those dating sites. So if you're one of those guys, the best thing that you can do is delete Those freaking apps Mm -hmm. and go out into the real world and start having conversations with women because the reality is, is that women are making very quick snap decisions on those dating apps. And a lot of the times it's not leading them to the type of relationships that they're wanting either. So they're frustrated. And if you're a guy who's willing to go and have a conversation with them in public, you are going to stand out head and tail above the rest of the men that are out there that are just trying to slide into DMs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the best, easiest ways to do that, I've seen a lot of guys have success with this, uh, is start up a conversation. And if you're interested, say, Hey, can we exchange Instagram, you know, or, Hey, are you on TikTok?" Or, Hey, are you on IG? You know, do you mind if, do you mind if I follow you Mm -hmm. and, uh, do you mind if I send you a message? And for a lot of women, that's less threatening than, Hey, can I have your number? Mm -hmm. So use some of these, um, they're not tactics, just use some of these strategies really to help you start to connect with women, but you got to get the reps in so that you feel a, uh, broader and a deeper level of confidence when it comes to talking with women. So yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, the dating apps I think is, I think it's very, very, very bad for men. Um, it makes you feel more lonely when you log on and you don't have the message or you don't have the new, like, um, there's the thing about the, the, you know, woman who's in nine, 9.5 and above. And she's like with a dude that doesn't quite look like they should be together. And it's like, wow, like how did that happen? And there's kind of, there's opposing paradigms could have happened here. One. Um, you know, maybe that woman was with the immaculate man who's beautiful and boisterous all stuff and he just completely destroyed her. And so she does not want that like at all anymore. And she went to the opposite end of the spectrum. Like that definitely happens. Um, the other side is she's so beautiful that you have this fear of the unknown that cracks into your head before you even talk to her, that she's going to deny you because of how beautiful and how many options she is. But what I find funny is the more my, my most beautiful female friends don't have as many options as like the ones that are more conventionally beautiful. Does that make sense? Mm. So maybe like the eight, five to nine have way more options than the nine, five and above because people don't shoot their shots there. So this guy did exactly what Connor is telling us to do get the reps in, get good at it. And then he walked up to her at a time when she was open emotionally, he made her feel safe. And now he landed, you know, he might be a seven and he landed in nine, six. And now every single man is looking at him. But Connor, are you familiar with that uh, psychological competitiveness that women have amongst each other of women always identify who the most attractive woman in the room is? And there's a, um, unconscious shift of energy that goes towards that person. Her man then becomes the most desirable man in the room due to feminine competition. And so this guy's put himself in position to, he might be a seven, but he's the most desirable man in the room where his woman is the most beautiful. And then women have this subconscious desire of competitiveness that if I can get him to maybe just give me a look or to smile at me or something, it drives, it means I must be as attractive to her. Mm. I mean, that guy's playing chess, not checkers. He's getting really far ahead in life. You bring up the responsive desire. I like that. I like, I like that tying into the impulse control as well. I have a good friend of mine. He and his girl have a very healthy, fantastic sex life. And throughout the day, he'll just kind of, like, tease her a little bit. Like, te- a bit more than than just an intentional tease without putting too much detail out there. Like, he he has essentially mastered the art of, um, like, just the tip. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. wow, their sex life, ha- both of them have talked to me about, it. their sex life has just gone insane
0: since he's been yep. able to
1: curate that that drive. Because his drive was higher than hers was are you familiar with the psychology of kind of what's going on there it's literally they play the game of just the tip multiple times a day <laughs> it's hilarious to me
0: yeah well there's some good stuff in here so so a lot of guys have more what's called spontaneous desire mm-hmm. where you know we can see our woman in an outfit you know i can see my wife wearing a certain pair of jeans or whatever it is i'm like yep Ready to go. Uh-huh. And, and 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 that's the case for many guys, not every guy, but the majority of men have spontaneous desire. And so what a man can start to do is start to leverage that spontaneous arousal. It's like, oh. I'm not even around her, but I'm thinking about something. I'm going to fire off a message and say, oh, I was just thinking about X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You know, Or I love the way that you look this morning when you left or when you got out of bed or when you got out of the shower. It's like you know, sending those types of messages and those types of cues, again, without, I need to get off right now. Or, oh, I wish that you were here so that we could blah, blah, blah. No, none of that. It's just... It's just I'm signaling to you I desire you Mm -hmm. or I find you attractive. And for women, because for a lot of women, it's I want to feel desired. I want to be desired. I like that receiving this desire and know that you want me in some capacity mm-hmm. and to and to sort of play around with that energy for a lot of women. so when you can send those signals not in a way where it's like I need you I need something to happen you know like a little addict that's trying to trying to get off <laughs> then for a woman that spontaneity starts to put them in a state of excitement of arousal because they don't know when sex, when the actual like exciting moment is actually going to happen and there's some really good research that's come out of the uk that has shown that in the majority of long-term partnerships it's not men that get bored with sex it's women women statistically get bored with sex much faster than men because with men we're much more linear for again for the most part i'm generalizing but for the most part we're much more linear and for most men, it's like, okay, if we're having consistent sex and it's happening consistently, even if it's somewhat the same, I'm okay with that. You know, it's like, I'm good with that. As long as I'm getting laid frequently and it's like, I, you know, I'm enjoying it, that's good. But for women, their their, their system operates differently. And so for a lot of women, the type of monotony or routine that can set in, especially in long-term partnerships, can really tamper down their sexual arousal in the partnership. So keeping spontaneity alive within your relationship, especially a long-term relationship, is incredibly important. And part of that spontaneity is dropping these little hints of I am attracted to you. I'm aroused by you, or I'm turned on by you right now, or, you know, and you kind of have to figure out what your partner is is Really turned on by because every woman's going to be a little bit different in terms of what activates her, you know. Because one woman might like to receive the like, I, you know, I saw you this morning and I wanted to, you know, fuck you immediately. Mm-hmm. And other women might be like, I need something a little bit less mm-hmm. abrasive and direct. You mm-hmm. know, I need mm-hmm. the like, you looked gorgeous this morning. I love the way your hair was over your shoulder, whatever it is. So you kind of have to find the nuance of your partner. But it really comes down to that spontaneity, and that's going to help keep your sex life alive and your sex life alive, and keep your partner actively engaged. And what you'll find is that she'll start to reciprocate. She'll start to reciprocate, and you have to keep in—you know, have to keep on this process. But she'll start to reciprocate uh, that desire back to you. She'll start to play the game because it'll be exciting, it'll be fun, it'll be thrilling. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is if you read any good romance novel or you study the like Fifty Shades of Grey and that kind of stuff, a big part of what oftentimes gets overlooked is two things. One is the spontaneity that we're talking about, and two is a sense of mysteriousness, right? So spontaneity and mysteriousness for the feminine for a lot of women is very sexually arousing. And for guys, that can be fun, but we have to find that uh, version that our partner is going to get activated by.
1: All right, you guys. So I don't run paid ads and stuff on my show because, um, well, quite frank, I'm not super lying with anybody. But also, I just love the flow of how the Girl and I podcast goes. So how you can give back to me, if you could share this, wherever you share stuff, it could be LinkedIn, it could be Instagram, it could be Twitter. And you just tag the Grow page, tag me in it if you'd like to. That would help me so much as I continue to grow this show into eventually doing an America tour in 2024 and try to come to a city near you to have some amazing guests on. I appreciate it a ton. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, you bring up Fifty Shades of Grey and a a host of other fantastic points to build upon here. But Fifty Shades of Grey, to be honest, Connor, I feel like That's kind of a blueprint starting point for men to understand how to crack the female code, if you will, of emotional vulnerability. I think if there's something that I've learned about women, you you had a prompt I want to get into as well on Instagram recently, that was men in their thirties, uh, leave something for men in their twenties. Um, and I, I didn't share this comment because I'm going to, I'm going to make a post on it. Um that was inspired by you but my number one item would be get in control of who you are emotionally not what you are emotionally your emotions don't define you who you are emotionally and who you want to become some men like being a little bit angry right like some men enjoy having that um i was that dude i like being a little bit more peaceful but then number two learn how to communicate with a woman's emotions and cater to the women's emotions, because not for sex purposes or dating purposes, but because that's going to allow you to tap more into your masculine femininity and drive these energies in a manner that you, know, you can identify with. Um, I have a prompt that I wanna give to you that I enjoy doing. Um, if I'm on a first date, I haven't had a first date in a while, if I'm on a first date, I am a very direct communicator. You like, you know exactly what I think about you. This is with Mm. friends, romance, whatever. You'll be a drink or two in. And I'll kind of let the conversation die a little bit. I'll pause and I'll just be like, what's the most turned on you've been this year? Mm. And I'll let her kind of answer that. And from that, you can draw a lot. Of course, at first, like it's probably not the most vulnerable answer. So it's like podcast host kicks in. You could start kind of driving more and more and more. But on a first date with somebody, if you can get them thinking and giving you information about what turns them on the absolute most, before you actually go in to experience that yourself, you are connecting with her emotionally and you are giving her a safe space to communicate her wants, desires and needs with you so that when you actually do form a connection that's beyond just communicating across the table at a dinner over some drinks or something like that, you're going to have a heads up on anyone else who is in the competition playing field because you simply asked the question. You took the time to figure that out. The frisky tech situation, what a shout about. Did you see the fucking WWE guy? What is that guy's name? McMahon, Vince McMahon.
0: Yeah, Vince McMahon. Yeah.
1: Did you see that stuff that came out about no. him? Oh my goodness. No. Yeah. He's like in a little bit of trouble, maybe a lot of bit of trouble. I don't know a ton about it, but these texts that he was sending, this girl was absolutely insane. He was like, I'm at, I'm at dinner with 12 friends and I passed your picture around and we're all talking about gang banging you. And like, they, and I'm like Oh, he went detailed. It was in Connor. You have to look this shit up. It, I'm oh dying laughing. He's like, dude, he's saying some insane stuff um absolutely nuts that is not the way that you frisky text a woman to make her yeah. feel safe i think the frisky text of playing into her emotional leveraging um, uh your emotions into her emotions i think more often than not can really get the job done which comes out of knowing that person but connor um You're a 25-year-old dude. You're not quite there with yourself in terms of what your sexual or emotional identity is. And the girls that you're going after are dating 30 to 35-year-old men who now being 30, looking back on when I was 25, yeah, there's a monster difference. Like Mm -hmm. a 30-year-old man, and I'm sure you being 40, looking back on 30, like there's a monster difference for you as well. There's nothing that guy can do to compete. So how does he kind of level the playing field with this woman to try to woo her?
0: I mean, I think one of the biggest things that, that a guy can lean into is just being a bit unapologetic about who he is and where he's at. You know, one of the things that like, I'm not the best looking guy. I've never been the richest guy, you know, those things. But one of the things that I did do when I was in my twenties was I was pretty unapologetic about who I was and and not in an obnoxious way, not like stuffing it in your face and, you know, being rude or, you know, there's there's some, I think it's hard to be a young man in today's world when you've got dudes like, and I don't I mean to like knock them, but I think that they're, what they're doing is not good for young men. You know, you got guys like fresh and fit that are out there that are giving advice to young men that is, in some in some ways, unwell. Like I don't think it's helping a lot of young men because what they're learning is to go out there, and and be something that they're not. It's like you know, did did, did you ever see pickup artist stuff back in the day? No, like PUA stuff, pickup artist stuff. Oh, so yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, like a lot, a lot, a lot of the pickup artist stuff oh, was. Yeah. Very gimmicky, and it was, you know, it was formulaic and it worked in some ways. But the problem with it was that you, as a young man, had to become someone that you're not. Mm -hmm. You had to pretend to be somebody or something that you are not. And the problem with that is that that shit always wears off. Mm -hmm. And so, and then you get in a relationship with a woman, maybe you start dating her or whatever, and you have to uphold this bullshit persona Mm. of somebody that you're not. And one, a lot of women can sniff that out. Two, the type of women that you end up attracting when you're operating in that way is generally women that have wounds with men. And so you are attracting a certain subset of women who are already hurt by men, or they have some mistrust of men, or they have a like a neediness wound around men, right? I need men to like me. And that creates all sorts of problematic dynamics. And so you know, I think what I tell a lot of young men, cause I have a lot of young men that follow me on YouTube and Instagram is lean into what you already know about yourself. Just be fucking honest. Mm-hmm. If you're weird and you, you know, you're in the Dungeons and Dragons, just like own that shit. Girls own like it that. The There's girls that Instagram like that. Group. Girls love that yeah, because dude. here's, here's what here's what the feminine and what women are looking for. They are looking for who are you actually? And can I be safe around you? And, and the, the signaling of this is who I am. This is, you know, what my strengths are. This is where I'm at in life right now. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm trying to figure out right now. All those types of things signal a sense of like, oh, I can put my guard down a little bit because I know what I can expect from you. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of young men, that's going to go a lot further than some of the other advice that I've seen out there, because you're going to attract women who are You know, they don't have their guard up. It's not some game. You don't have to maintain some BS image of yourself or continue to, you know, take some hard line that's not authentic to who you are. You get to be human, you know? And honestly, I think for a lot of young men, that is the most practical thing that you can do be unapologetic about where you're at, right? If you drive a shitty car and you're working a nine to five job as a janitor, own that shit. That's great. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter. I, I, worked construction in a gravel pit Mm -hmm. you know and like still could go out to the bars and pick up women and i was just straight up about what i did and you know for a lot of women they would prefer the transparency and the forthcoming and the directness and i think as a young man we have convinced ourselves a lot of young men have convinced themselves that they need to be somewhere else, that they're not in order to compete with the 30-year-old or the 35-year-old or the 40-year-old or whatever it is. And that's not it at all, right? The more that you can lean into, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm learning, this is what I'm working on, the more that you're going to attract quality women who actually respect that. And who respect a man who's in his process, right? Maybe you don't attract the woman who's like just looking for the guy that, you know, makes 250K. It's like, cool. So be it. Like, see you later. <laughs> That's all right.
1: Um, yeah. There's uh, getting into a battle of attrition with other people. If it's a cat and mouse game, she's not the one for you, bro. I promise yeah. you she's not the one for you. I I love your stance on it's essentially to stand out, be authentic. Be you. There's women have a kink of being f- at the start of the process to the desired outcome of the process with a man as well. Women don't just want the end outcome. Um, women that are healed, they have a kink to want to be there along the same thing, but we're talking a lot about women being healed and that's great. Fine. And well, men, have it's hard being a man. I mean, you alluded to, that. It, dude. It's brutal being a guy. You alluded to how lonely men are. I mean, we see, you know, we see suicidality. We see mental health rates. We see, I'm sure, we see the same, you know, research as it pertains to that. Yeah, I have this thing. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts when he, uh, when a man gets to 25 years old, the only emotions he really understands is happiness, anger, and arousal. Because men don't get taught a lot, you know, you don't get taught a lot of, at young ages it's okay to express yourself to cry it's okay to not yell when you're angry it's okay to have outlets where you can just breathe through um but i mean i see people in their 30s i see people in their 40s around me that just have damage i mean i've got damage shit you've got damage we all got damage What do you what do you do with your guys that you work with, Connor? How do you actually identify? I'm talking real fucking self-awareness where you look at it and it terrifies you and you cry a little bit and you're a little bit scared and it's difficult to go to sleep because you realize exactly what's going on. What do you do?
0: Yeah, I mean, like selfish plug is I would recommend that guys pick up my book called Men's Work and go through that go through the work that I lay out in the book. Um, it is, I, I wrote it to be a program, you know, Uh, you're going to learn about yourself, but you also have to do a bunch of work. So just, I'll put that there. Mm -hmm. Um, what do we do is, you know, for a long time, I avoided the pain that I was carrying. And so first we have to make a decision to let our pain have a purpose in our life. And the the reality is that if you are a young man who is carrying pain from his past, whether it's abuse or neglect or abandonment, or, you know, lacking self-worth or not feeling like he fit in or having had trouble, you know, just talking to women, all of that's hard. And the reality is, is that as much as society and culture might say, men should be more vulnerable, men should open up more. the The truth is that every man knows that there's a risk in doing so. And every man knows that he might open up and be vulnerable and have that used against him. This That is a truth and a reality. And I think one thing that's unfortunate is that our therapeutic industrial complex is very female-oriented and female-dominated. And so a lot of men go into therapy or to go work with a counselor, and it's very much a let me figure out how you're feeling so i can validate what you're feeling orientation and for some men that is necessary right we do need to feel our feelings talk about our feelings talk about what was hard and but for other men you know we have to develop certain competencies and skills we have to learn that we can trust other men to not judge us and to not shame us and to not ostracize us for talking about the hard shit that we've gone through in our past and so I think for a lot of young men that are out there, you know, what I would tell my younger self is the shit that you do not like about yourself, you need to let somebody in on the game. You have to. You have to. And it it damn near killed me. The shit that I didn't like about myself was the stuff that landed me living out of the back of my car for a few weeks because I hated who I was. I hated parts of who I was. The way that I talked about myself internally was abusive and terrible. And I would never I would have never let another man talk to me like that for sure. I would have knocked him out, mm-hmm. but I let myself talk to me like that. And I think that that is the real experience that a lot of young men are having is that they are alone and they are a victim to their own inner dialogue, their own inner self-sabotage and abuse and vitriol. And it's terrible. And so you have to let somebody else in on what's happening inside of you so that you can get tools and resources and support and start to work on reorienting that narrative and that story. Because that, that inner voice and that inner dialogue can kill a man. And a lot of men, I think, suffer from that. They suffer in silence where how they view themselves is so drenched in shame and so heavy and so brutal and terrible. I see it all the time and it can lead to a, a lot of terrible things. So find a men's group that you can be a part of where you can talk about. This is how I've perceived myself. Find a good therapeutic environment ideally with other men or with a male that you can go and work with. And you can say, listen, these things happened to me when I was younger. You know, I watched my parents get divorced. I watched my father abuse my mom. You know, I was sexually abused or whatever it is that you went through. Because the reality is that a lot of men are carrying something that no one else knows about. And they're trying to play the game of becoming strong enough and fast enough to run away from it forever. And I promise you, it won't
1: work. Said a lot of deep stuff in there, fuck, dude, and it needs to be heard. The message needs to be shared. I, I think, I think a difficult part is like we're so stimulated, dude. We're so stimulated because we have Instagram. Okay, caught up on my timeline. TikTok. Okay, caught up on my timeline. Tinder. Okay, nobody Bumble. Okay, nobody, um, you know, what whatever comes next, um, Hinge, or whatever new ones there are. And like you're just so stimulating, you just like do this whole cycle by the time you're done on the hinge profile, it's been 15 minutes, you go back to Instagram. And it, it's not, it's, it's not human's fault. Like it's not really, man, it's not our fault that it's like that. We've been manipulated and, you know, we have a certain dopamine trick that social media companies figured out far before I think maybe really even uh, um, uh, research figured out. Neuroscience figured out, psychologists figured out, like social media figured it, companies figured it out, and it doesn't leave us a lot of time to become self-aware of who we are because we're constantly following people on Instagram. In these young ages, I mean, kind of a twenty-two-year-old dude right now has never not had social media. Like you and I didn't have social media in our lives. Like I remember when Facebook dropped, and I know you remember when Facebook dropped. you're, You're older than I. Like. I was like, what is this? Like, people are going to do that? And now, like, meta runs the freaking world, right? Um, Intentionality with the time spend that you have on a day might be my second piece of advice. If I could give it to a 20-year-old, you don't realize how fast time's flying, and you, you have a post talking about how direction is the content, speed is the variable, and you talk to so many men who want to have all of this. And like, to get all of that, you've got to go through a ton of shit. Um, I have a keynote speech that I'm preparing for in Nashville. Actually, around the time we launched this, I'll be about, uh, uh, about to deliver that. And in that speech, I'm talking about, you're focusing on this thing this one thing that you want and everyone who's ever achieved it is an idol for you. But in the chase of getting this thing, all of these things were ignored and neglected and put on the back burner. And they're so far behind. Are you really sure you want this thing? Hmm. So I say all that to say men are lonely. We have a lot of stimulus going on you're 25 years old, or even, I mean, I have 30 year old counterparts that are like breathwork meditation. Like, yeah, dude. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. Breathwork and meditation. It's not cool. It's not sexy. It doesn't get you laid, whatever. But we're I don't so know about f- that one.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that one.
1: <laughs> you want a great pickup line? You ask a woman if she wants to do a breathwork session with you. <laughs>
0: if you can lead a woman Here. through a breathwork session, Ooh, it's, it's territory You right are there. in there. <laughs> you uh-huh. are, you might as
1: well. That's deeper than sex at that point. Um, with these things that we're chasing, with the direction that we're trying to go, the speed is what's variable. We have all these things we know we need to work on. At what point in our direction, Connor, of the men we want to become, our desired outcome, how do we know, okay, right now I need to work on this emotional pain? This trigger has me just really expending a lot of energy into it. I need to talk to somebody about that. Who do I talk to about that? How do I cope through? I feel like we've talked about a ton of really good ideas, but I want to make this so concise for the men listening to this show. This is your blueprint right now.
0: Yeah. So where I tell most men to start is to shift your impulse control, like to to work on your impulse control by specifically shifting your coping mechanisms to generative habits, okay? So, most guys are unhappy, are lonely, are dissatisfied in some way because they feel out of control. And when we feel like we're out of control as men, we shame ourselves, we lack freedom, all those different pieces. And where we feel out of control are generally the places where we are lacking impulse control, right? It's like mm. you've told yourself you're going to stop watching porn and then you find yourself in front of your computer again with porn and Bobin and 30 tabs, right? And you're in the middle of a jerk off session. You told yourself you're going to stop smoking weed and all of a sudden, you know, you're halfway through a joint. You said that you're going to stop gambling and all of a sudden, you know, you've got 200 bucks riding on the latest UFC fight. That level of lacking impulse control is something I believe that every single man should address immediately, immediately. And it's one of the things that radically changed my life because I had very little impulse control. I struggled with it. And so choose one Coping mechanism, just one, choose one. Because for a lot of us, it's like, well, I got a dozen coping mechanisms. You know, I eat junk food at 10 o'clock at night or I, you know, I hit snooze a dozen times. Choose one coping mechanism that for three to six months, you are going to try and shift to a generative habit. And a generative habit is something that is regenerating you, it's not something that is uh, is pulling you down, right? A coping mechanism is something that you generally feel shame about afterwards, or, you know, you're more tired because of, or you feel like crap because of. And so a generative habit is something that's going to help you feel a little bit better in a healthy way, right? That might be breath work. It might be journaling. It might be yoga. It might be meditation. It might be working out, but you're going to choose to replace, uh, one coping mechanism with a generative habit what where most guys go wrong in getting rid of and trying to get rid of coping mechanisms is that they don't replace them with anything and so when i for example when i quit pornography how i did it was every single time i wanted to watch it and this might sound daunting to some people but it works is i would set a timer for 5 to 10 minutes and i would force myself to sit down and breathe and meditate And I hated it. I hated it. It was brutal. It was (sighs) terrible. That's powerful. I would would force myself to sit down. I'd put the timer on. I'd close my eyes and I would breathe and I would tune into like, what am I actually feeling right now? And most of the time, it wasn't that I was horny or turned on and needed to get off. It was like, I was bored, Mm -hmm. you know, I was bored. I was lonely. I was feeling something else. But over time, what happened was I enjoyed the process of meditating and just breathing just as much as going to watch porn. And slowly I found that I didn't need it as much anymore. And I had a pretty bad uh, coping mechanism in pornography. Mm -hmm. So that is somewhere that you can start immediately. And that's something that is going to help you gain confidence as a man. It's something that's going to level up your impulse control it's something that's going to allow you to develop discipline in your life not in a way where you're punishing yourself for getting shit wrong but you're actually reinforcing that you have competency as you continue to practice this right discipline is a practice it's not a punishment so choose that one thing that you want to tackle and choose what you're going to replace it with whether it's breath work or whatever And go at it, find an accountability partner, find a group that you can go and be a part of, but start there. And then if you do have something that you know, you need to talk about, right? Like if, if what I said about the inner dialogue, where, you know, my inner dialogue was abusive or my inner dialogue was so harsh that it caused me to self-sabotage a lot. If that resonates with you, go and find somebody to work with, commit to it and call yourself forward not call yourself out call yourself forward and say listen i know i have a problem with this the way i talk to myself is terrible and so i'm going to go and work with somebody whether it's a counselor or a therapist or a psychologist or you know a men's group or whatever it is go and join that group you know that that session and tell that person or that group why you're there say the way i talk to myself and my inner dialogue is terrible and i would like to improve it and and then be real about what it sounds like internally. Transparency is the the real salve for what a lot of men are experiencing. A lot of the negativity that we are experiencing is because we are, are lying and manipulating and trying to hide what we're actually going through. And so for a lot of men, transparency is that big, 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 big first step. Carl Jung, last thing I'll say. Carl Jung, a very famous psychologist, uh, psychoanalyst in the beginning of the 20th century, said that confession is the first step in any psychological or therapeutic mm. healing. Confession is the first step in any therapeutic or psychological healing. And so we have to be willing to confess what is actually happening that we haven't wanted to talk about, right? Whether that's something that happened in your childhood, and your past that you have buried, and again, the the big caveat to all this is find a place and a space where you can trust and where you can be safe because there is a lot of there are a lot of places out there where it's maybe it's not the right place for you to really open up and be honest maybe it's not the right place where you are going to feel like yeah I'm going to get the support that I need to improve and to actually heal here and so you know don't settle for a shitty therapist Find somebody where, you know, you can actually open up. Don't just sit there for dozens of sessions being like, this isn't helping me. We haven't gotten to the core of the issue. Interview some people, you know, interview some people. Go through a process. Have you worked with a lot of men before? Have you worked with a man on this specific issue before? Really, like you are interviewing somebody to help you move through some heavy shit. Take that seriously. So those are very tactical, strategic things that you can do. Um, maybe there's something else that you want to add in there or, or, or ask about, but those are some things that guys can
1: start with. That was exactly what I was looking for. And a little bit more, I have a thing I do that might help people and maybe they can do it right now while they're listening to this show. When I'm driving in my car and I have a negative thought or something that I don't, I identify I can improve on myself. I speak it. I just put it into the universe. If I'm walking Peyton, my my beautiful golden retriever, if we're just walking downtown Austin, if you see me talking to myself, don't mind me. (laughs) I'm putting things out into the universe because being able to just get it off your tongue, get it out of of your soul, get it from your flesh and, and, and your soul and your energy into the world to your point that kind of starts the process, right? Like it's already been said. When I have a really difficult decision that needs to be made in the company, I say it in my safe space first to, I am I have the most fortunate group of friends, like I, I'm luckiest dude on the entire planet with my group of friends. And I love that you're talking so much about find a group, have support, have a men's group. I My men's group is unbelievable. And I can say things to them and it's safe. And if I want feedback, they give feedback. If I just want to vent, they allow me to vent. And having friends like that is completely life-changing. The last note I make, you said some amazing stuff. I've never met someone in my life, Connor, that goes, gets in better shape or practices breath work and gets in better spiritual shape. There's like, you know what? I'm more sad than I was then. You know, I make less money than I was then. I have less friends than I did then. I'm less fulfilled than I was before. That doesn't exist. So, to your point, everyone has a vice. Everyone, that's a dude. Like me and Connor, we're sitting here, we're talking. We, I don't know his vice. You don't know my vice. We both have vices. We both have things. And you're always going to have those things, right? But if you start replacing things with breathwork and fitness and you can keep those as a pillar for your entire life, you're actively making your spiritual health better every time you breathe and your internal your internal relationship better. And if you're making your physical fitness continually better, you're only becoming a better human. My last thing for you, Connor, men who are over 30, give one piece of advice to men who are in their 20s. It can be about anything. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah i mean the the short and the simple of it is that i would say that one of the most important things that you can learn to do is to regulate your nervous system to learn how to go into heated situations and stay calm and grounded not in a fake or fraudulent way but in a real true authentic way to be in conflict with your girlfriend or your wife to be in conflict with your family or an employer or an employee and to be able to stay collected and grounded and know how to regulate your nervous system is in my opinion going to be and is one of the most underrated uh qualities that we can bring to the world right now and it's what everybody needs a regular a regular ordinary dude Who is able to regulate his nervous system is gonna be, it's gonna look like a guy that has fucking superpowers in the future because everybody has outsourced their nervous system to social media and technology, and nobody knows how to actually regulate their shit anymore. Nobody knows how to actually stay calm and grounded anymore. And so, if you are a man that can work on that right now in your 20s, and by the time you are 30, and you are this grounded man that can walk into a hard situation and handle himself emotionally, you are going to look like a new age Superman. So prioritize that right now. It's what I'm going to teach my son. He does meditation and breath work with me in the mornings, even though he's three. Uh, And it's what I am trying to teach every single man, regardless of his age right now.
1: Dude, I absolutely love that. I love your message. I love what you're doing from one man to another. Thank you for being who and what you are. I want everyone to go buy your book, men's work. I'm hoping I can get a signed copy at some point in my life from you. Uh, I, I would enjoy meeting you getting to shake your hand saying thank you face to face. I'm going to put all of your information and details down below. Um, do you want to plug your, your coaching real fast? I think you mentioned it, but we didn't get to go into it. So if you plug your coaching so people know exactly what you do.
0: Yeah, I mean people can go to mantox.com and find all that there. We host live retreats for men of all ages. Uh the retreats are are a deep dive, like deep therapeutic work. I also run small groups called the Men's Self Leadership Program and then I have a couple courses. You know, I have a porn detox course that guys can go through. I've got a shadow work program, I've got a relationship mastery program. So all that's on mantox.com. You can go check it out there and feel free to hit me up YouTube Talks. Instagram man talks. i I love just trying to chat with guys and hearing about their problems and, and supporting where I can.
1: Connor Grower Dye podcast. Thank you so much, man. I look forward to connecting further in the future.
0: Likewise.